Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Bible Prophecy for today. My name is Heather and I've got some news and views from a West Texans a biblical point of view one you're going to find in your mainstream media. Hey guys, first of all, welcome to tonight's program. If you're new, um, this is going to be a little different. So this is not like my normal podcast. Today I have uploaded... Um, a sermon from my pastor service today and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it the audio is not so great Um, the person who usually does all of the audio I guess they lost their camera or iPad that we normally record um, our services with and so um, right now um, it's just gonna be from my iPhone sitting at my seat and so you'll hear like rustles of paper and it's gonna seem a little distant but please please um, bear with it. And uh, anyway, if you can, um, I really, really think you'll get a lot out of this sermon. And I didn't get all of it by the time I started recording it. It was probably about five minutes in. So we didn't miss a whole lot. But I wanted to give you guys an overview in case you want to know the scriptures uh, that's going to go with this. As I drop my paper. (laughs) So anyway, these are the sermon notes. And my pastor is Dr. Randy Davis. um, And it's titled A New Beginning. Um, and so we're taking it from 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Uh, he goes on to say Psalm 32, 1. Um, it's a different translation, but it says, How happy you must be. You get a fresh start. Your slate's been wiped clean. So he goes, What I need to make the most of a new beginning. And so the scripture verses um, she guys want to read are going to be Philippians chapter three, verses 10 through 17. And he always does bullet points and um, he gives us a little worksheet that we can go to. And I'm going to give you guys what those are right now, because as you're listening, you're going to want to kind of know. Number one is going to be a desire to know Christ. Number two is a determination to reach the goal. And he goes, how to focus on a goal is forget the past and keep looking forward. And uh, I know a lot of people who keep asking, you know, forgiveness for sins that they've done in the past and they just keep on and on and on. And he actually talks about that and that's grieving the Holy Spirit. But we're going to move along and the other verses are going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 24 and 25. And then number three is a dedication to apply what I've learned. And that's going to be Philippians 3, 15 through 16. And number four, a decision to follow godly examples. Philippians 3, verse 17. And then my New Year's resolutions to honor God. Number one is going to be daily quiet time with the Lord, our devotional. Number two is faithful in church attendance. Number three is a ministry in the church. We should all play a part and do our part in the ministry. Number four is going to be a faithful in your giving, which is support the church financially. So, folks, I hope you get a little bit out of this and I hope you enjoy it. Um, I love my pastor. And um, anyway, I have started a YouTube channel. And so I'm going to actually start bringing my iPad up there until we can get everything situated and um, going to go ahead and start doing the videos. And we're going to start uploading those to this YouTube channel. I really hope you guys will understand. I mean, I'll understand that it's not the perfect right now until I can get everything organized and we can get everything going. Um, uh, We're brand new. We're a brand new church. And um, it's New Hope Fellowship at River Road in Amarillo, Texas. And I hope you guys will be blessed. And um, here is the sermon. And um, I hope you guys have a very, very happy New Year 
2024. And uh, as Art says, folks, perhaps today, and as my pastor said today, this could be the year that the Lord Jesus comes back. And another thing on Wednesdays, um, he's starting a study in the book of Revelation. So we will be going through that on Wednesday nights, and I will be recording that and uploading that to this podcast as too, or to this podcast as <laughs> to this podcast as well. And uh, you guys are going to really, really enjoy that. Um, he is very, very um, adept in teaching in the book of, of Revelation and in times prophecy, and um, he's really, really good at that. And he has a book. Um, guys, if you're interested, let me know. I can get that book to you. If you just give me, <clears throat> just let me know and we can get that shipped out to you. Uh, the cost is 10 bucks. That's it. I have a couple copies um, and I absolutely am so thankful. And every question you could possibly think of, he has an answer um, from the Lord's word in there for you. So anyway, without further ado, here we go. This is Pastor and uh, uh, Dr. Randy Davis. Here we go, folks. You guys probably got some things in your heart so secret that you have you got probably got some things in your heart and soul that are kind of private uh, you might call them a secret that you have in your heart and soul but you probably share those things only with those folks who are the very very closest to you a dear family member or a very close friend you share things that are really close to you with the people that are closest to you and so the same thing is true with the spiritual discernment and having a knowledge of the Lord the closer you get to the Lord, the more He's going to reveal to you. Amen. And the better you're going to know Him. You have to spend time with somebody to know Him, don't you? You really do. Sometimes it takes time. And so if you're in fellowship with the Lord and you're doing everything you can to grow as a Christian, you're trying to understand exactly what it is God wants in your life and the changes that He wants you to make as a believer. If you're really passionate about that, and you're really dedicated to that, and you're, you're really have a strong desire for that, it can happen. It really can. It's an amazing place. It will just make the effort. Isn't it so impressive how the early apostles were so faithful to the Lord? Every single one of the apostles ended up dying for the faith. They were martyrs. The only exception to that might be the uh, apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation. You know, he was in exile on the island of Patmos when he wrote the book of Revelation. But all the others, you know, in history tells us, tradition tells us, they were all uh, put to death. You know, they faced death in execution because of their faith in the Lord. Now, that's somebody who has a real passion for the Lord, isn't it? Someone who has a real desire to serve Him. And so that's, that's what you got to have. Uh, Paul says, I hope to know Christ and the power that raised Him from the dead. <clears throat> Secondly, there needs to be determination. Determination to reach the goal. I mean, you just don't give up. Notice what he says in verses 13 and 14. He says, One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. So Paul here is using the analogy of a race, like a foot race. They had races back in those days. They had Olympics back in those days in Greece. And so everybody was familiar with that. And so he's saying, I, I press on and I strain toward what is ahead, trying to reach the goal. In order that I might win the prize. Well, what is the prize? Well, it's not salvation. He already has that. It's that prize of being a faithful servant of the Lord. Knowing that you're serving Him as best you can. And so that was a burning passion for the, for the Apostle Paul. He really wanted to be used by God 
He wanted to make a difference in the world for the cause of Christ. And I, I hope I have that same passion and desire. I hope you do too. A lot of important things that we have to do you know, every day and every week. You, know, you have to earn a living. You have to take care of your families. You have to pay your bills. You know, a routine that you go through every day just like, like I do. And sometimes it's easy to kind of get lost in all that stuff. You're so busy with all the things of life. But sometimes we don't put near enough emphasis and focus on just being faithful to the Lord. Serving Him. And being really, really close to Him. So you've got to be determined to do that so that it doesn't fall by the wayside. So how do you do that? Two things he mentions here. First of all, he says, I forget about the past. I forget about the things that are in the past. Forgetting what is behind, he said. So past sin, past failures. All that's water under the bridge, right? Sometimes we get so tied up in knots about things we've done wrong in the past that we can't think ahead. We just are constantly feeling guilty and weighed down by the bad things that we may have done, the sins that we may have committed, and things like that. And it just kind of hinders us from running the race, the faithfulness. And so Paul says, I, I put all that behind me. And Paul at one time was persecuting the church. Remember that? Hunting down Christians and having them put to death. And so what if he had just agonized and felt guilty about that for the rest of his life and just couldn't even function for the Lord because of that? He wouldn't have accomplished near what he accomplished in service to the Lord. So if there's some sin in your life, of course you need to confess that sin. All our sins are under the blood of Christ, of course. But sin will still hinder us, won't it, as believers? And so put that behind you. Those past mistakes, those past sins that you've committed, don't agonize over that. I think we grieve the Holy Spirit when we continue to, to feel guilty about that and to continually go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness over and over and over again. He's forgiven you. He's forgiving you that and forgive yourself, right? And move on. I remember years ago, I read about Martin Luther. He was a, a Catholic monk, and he kept going to confession. And he'd go to confession, you know, and he'd go into the confession booth to the priest and he would confess all of his sins. You know, all, here's the things I've done wrong. He'd go with this long list of things he'd done. And he wrote that when he left the confessional, that he'd hardly get any distance away before he'd think of something else. Oh yeah, there's something else. I need to go back. He'd go back to the confessional. I need to repent of this. I need to confess this. And he kept doing this over and over and over again until he read in the book of Romans that the just shall live by faith. You know, oh, I've been saved by faith. I've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. All that stuff is forgiven. All that stuff is behind me now. And I don't have to keep bringing that up over and over and over again. And so sometimes we just need to forgive ourselves and just move on. Don't we? And so you've got to be determined to do that, forget the past. And then he also says he keeps looking forward. Forget what's behind, he says. And he strains and presses on toward the goal to win the prize. And so you stay focused. You stay focused on what you're, you're trying to accomplish. Remember the story in the Gospels where Jesus was on the, uh, the uh, eastern side of the Sea of Galilee and, uh, with his disciples. And so he sent them on ahead in the boat. And then he said, I'm going to come later. They must have wondered about all that. So they got in the boat, they're trying to go across the lake there and thing. There was a storm and they had a hard time getting across the lake. <coughs> Excuse me. And so anyway, Jesus in the middle of the night came to them walking.
and looking up and seeing somebody walking towards you on the water. Can you imagine what that would be like? That's what happened to those guys. They were scared to death. They thought they were sitting in ghosts. And so the wind's blowing and the waves are tossing and all that. Here comes Jesus walking on the water in the middle of the night. And so they're freaking out, as you might imagine. And he calls out to them and says, don't be afraid, it's me. It's me. And remember what Peter said? Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, he said, can I come out there too? He wanted to go out to Jesus and walk on the water. And the amazing thing is, he did didn't he? <coughs> Jesus said, come on. And so Peter stepped out of the boat and began to walk on the water. The only man that's ever walked on the water, as far as we know, other than Jesus. He walked on the water, and then something happened. The Bible says he, he noticed the waves tossing and all that, the wind blowing so hard, and the, the boat behind him there rocking and all that, and he got a little distracted. And the Bible says he took his eyes off of Jesus. And what happened when he took his eyes off of Jesus? He began to see. He said, Lord, it's safe. I'm going And so Jesus reached out and grabbed him by the hand and pulled him up. They got the boat. He said, why didn't you have faith? Why didn't you have faith? But the point is, he was distracted. He was distracted by the waves and all the turmoil around him. And he took his eyes off of Jesus. He lost his focus on what he was trying to do. And so, that's a lesson to us. We need to not get distracted about serving the Lord. Be determined to reach that goal of being a faithful servant of the Lord. I hope you'll do that in 2024. Notice what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 9. He also uses an analogy of a race. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? He says, Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. And so Paul says, when I run the race, I run the win. I'm trying to win the race. Now that doesn't mean that we're competing with each other. You know, I'm not trying to be better than you, and you're not trying to be better than me. We're all trying to be the best we can be for the Lord, right? That's what's really important. But we should run to win. That's the whole purpose of running the race, is to win the prize. And again, the prize is faithful. Being faithful to the Lord. That's a great, that's a great goal is to be really faithful to the Lord. And so you should run to win, you should be passionate, you should be positive about serving the Lord. And you should make it a top priority in your life that this is what you're about every day. Trying to be closer and closer and closer to the Lord. And then he talks about strict training. He says, uh, <clears throat> He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. And so he says, I train for it. What do you have to do to train to be a good Christian? It's pretty simple, isn't it? You spend time in communication with God, prayer. You spend time reading God's Word, thankfully, right? You allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in your study of the Scriptures. The more Bible study you do, the better, really. Sometimes it's difficult to find time to do that, but it's important isn't it? So those are the basic things. Spending time in prayer, Bible study, fellowshipping with other believers. Are you encouraged by any of your brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, I am. It's a big encouragement to me. If I have a tough week or I'm struggling with something, it's really a blessing to me to gather on the Lord's Day and to fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. 
people that you know love you or praying for you or concerned about you. It's really special. It's a special family relationship and friendship that we have in our mutual faith in Christ. So it's important. But all these things that we do, that we need to do, to help us to grow as a Christian, sometimes it takes effort. It takes, it takes work. Uh, I've never been a real big reader. Some of you probably read books by the readings, you know, and I, I admire you for that. I, I'm not a big, big reader, but I do enjoy reading Scripture. And sometimes I'll read a book, you know, here and there, but most of the time I'm just trying to occupy myself reading the Bible nowadays. So, but it, it, it really makes a difference, doesn't it? It really helps you to be really close to the Lord if you make an effort to do that. Sometimes it's tough to get up and come to church, isn't it? You're tired, you're sleeping, you've had a hard week or something, and it just takes a special effort sometimes to get up and come to church. But I've never come to church when I regret it. It's always a blessing to me. I always receive a blessing from coming to the Lord's house. And so the things that are sometimes uh, important for us to do can be difficult. It can be a real challenge. And we've all got responsibilities, and sometimes it's just hard to get those things done, and I understand that. What did you think about the Cowboy game last night? <laughs> you watched that or not? I was upstairs watching that, and uh, Charlotte could hear me yelling. You know, and, uh, I can't believe they're going to do that. I said, they always find a way to lose. And that last play there where the uh, Lions got the extra point, which we talked to you, I turned the TV on. They lost. And I went downstairs. Charles was watching something else. And I went into the bedroom, you know, and I used to go to bed long before 10 o'clock or whenever the game ended. And I thought, well, I'll just turn it on and see what they're saying about the game. They're still playing. You may not have seen it. I didn't know. They, they got a penalty. And I turned the TV off before I found out. And so you saw, if you saw, there was a wild game one. Went for two, and, and then the Cowboys intercepted, but there was an offsides. Michael Parsons, so they do it again. And then the third time, they didn't get it. The Cowboys won by one point. So, strange things happen. I brought up the Cowboys because one of my favorite coaches of all time was Tom Landry. And yesterday, they inducted uh, Jimmy Johnson into the Ring of Honor at the Cowboys Stadium, which is a big honor. But Tom Landry, I think, is one of the greatest football coaches that ever lived. And Tom Landry was a good Christian man, too, a very faithful Christian. But uh, I read one time that Tom Landry uh, had a statement about leadership. He said, what's a good definition of leadership? According to Tom Landry, he said, leadership is getting people to do what they don't want to do so that they can be what they always wanted to be, winners. Don't we all want to be winners in some way or another? But to get there, it takes a lot of effort, but it takes a, hard, a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of passion and desire. And if you have that, and you really stay with it, you're going to be successful. He was a very successful coach. And so that's what it takes. You have to do the things that you don't want to do sometimes that are you know, difficult and be dedicated to doing those things. And if you do, by and by, you're going to have some success, aren't you? Sometimes an amazing success. The Lord will bless you for that. And so I think that's a good definition of, of leadership. It's a good definition of being determined to, to reach the goal of being a faithful servant of the Lord. 
So Paul says you've got to have a desire to know Christ, really know Him intimately. You've got to be determined to reach the goal. Thirdly, you've got to be dedicated to apply what you've already learned. You know something about the cause of Christ, don't you? You know something about Christianity. You know something about your faith. All of us do. Now, hopefully that won't stop there. You'll continue to grow. But you have to apply what you've already learned before you can move on. You know, God won't really give you more until you use what you've got. Right? So He wants you to be faithful and apply what you've learned as a Christian and be dedicated in doing those things. And when you do that, He'll give you more revelation. He'll give you more understanding. He'll give you more discernment about what He wants you to do. Notice in verses 15 and 16, Paul says, All of us who are mature, on a spiritual maturity, should take such a view of things. And if on some points you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. So I think what Paul is saying, I'm paraphrasing that, is if you think differently, God will straighten you out sooner or later, right? He'll show you the right way to go. If you'll just remain faithful, if you'll stay with it. He says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. And so you need to, you need to apply the things to your life that you've already learned about God, about the Scriptures, about what He wants you to do. Be faithful to do the things you know you need to do now, and then God's going to give you more. He's going to give you even more. The discernment and understanding and guidance, it will come as you continue to grow in your faith. So that's very important. Apply what you've learned. And then the last thing here is to make a decision to follow godly examples. Follow godly examples. Look at verse 17. Paul says, Join with others in following my example. Well, that's pretty bold, isn't it? Paul says, Do like me. I can't really say that. You know, that I'd like to, but sometimes I feel like I'm not qualified to do that. But Paul says, do what I do. Follow my example. And he says, take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. In other words, follow the godly examples of other people that you look up to that are faithful in the Lord. And that's everybody. Right? People around us that are serving the Lord. We look at them. We admire them. We deserve them. And think, well, I'd like to be more like that person who's a Christian and growing my faith. And so, Follow the example of godly people. Paul said, follow my example. He was very, very faithful. Go brag just that, right? So be like me. You think parents have a pretty big influence on their kids? Well, they do, don't they? I guarantee you, kids, they live what they learn. They really do. Their environment is so powerful. And what they're around, most of the time, has a big, big impact on them. And how they will develop and who they will become as individuals. And so it's very important that you set a good, good example for your kids and your grandkids. I've got grandkids, and so I want to set a good example for them. Other folks in the church, like pastor, hopefully, staff members, deacons, teachers, workers, everybody. We should all work hard to set a good example for other people so that they'll follow that example and be closer work together to bring this thing together. And so it's important that we do that. So you have to have this desire, this burning desire to be closer to the Lord. You need to be determined. Don't give up. You need to be dedicated to apply what you already know. 
And then Paul says you've got to make this decision to follow godly examples of people around you. That's a day-to-day -day struggle, isn't it? That's stuff that we have to work on every single day. But tomorrow is the first day of a brand new year. And so you've got another opportunity to start fresh. Your slate is wiped clean, so to speak. And you can start fresh tomorrow and say, I'm going to start the new year off right. And I'm going to do everything that I need to do to be a faithful servant of the Lord. And I'm firmly convinced that if you'll put God first in everything, everything else will take care of itself. Everything else will fall into place. That's what the Bible says. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be taken care of. It just works out that way, doesn't it? It's, it's a challenge. Sometimes we think, well, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to spend time over here, I've got to spend time over there, I don't have time to read my Bible, I don't have time to go to church, I don't have time to, to, to spend more time in prayer, but it's a priority. You've got to make a priority. If you'll dedicate yourself to doing that, you'll be amazed how God will bless you, how you'll achieve that goal and that prize of being a faithful servant of the Lord. Don't you think the Christian life is kind of like ups and down? Yeah. We kind of go up and down. Though. We kind of walk with the Lord. Sometimes we kind of veer off a little bit and don't lead back. I had a professor at the seminary one time say, you know, the Christian walk and the Christian life is kind of like a river, kind of like the Mississippi River. And they kind of veer off one direction, then they'll veer back the other direction. But it's always heading the same direction. It's always heading south, right? So you may veer off a little bit this way, you may veer off a little bit that way in your walk with the Lord. But if you're heading in the right direction, that's positive. That's good. So don't get discouraged. When you stumble, you fall, you stray away from what you need to do. Just get back on track. Right? Just repent and do better. Say, Lord, I'm sorry, I messed up. And with your help, I'm going to do better. I want to be a better servant for you. I want to be a better Christian for you. Because if you're like I am, I want to bring honor and glory to the Lord, right? Okay. That's what's really most important. What about my New Year's resolutions to honor God? These are suggestions, and I think they're good. The first one is to have a daily quiet time with the Lord. Do you do that now? You have a time every day uh, where you get off by yourself and just spend some time alone with the Lord in prayer, Bible study, reading the Bible. Whether it's short or long, you can do that, right? We can all make time to do that. Now, I'm like you, sometimes I just neglect that. I'm not as faithful as I should be. And so I just try to get back on track when I mess up and try to, to do that. It's really important. Now, this is not really deep Bible study. That's coming up. But this is daily devotional reading of Scripture. Just, just maybe reading a chapter or two a day and just kind of working your way through the Bible. I think that's really, really important because it keeps your mind in the scriptures. And it will really help you through your day. Most folks suggest you do it in the morning. And you may not be a morning person. It may be really hard for you to get done in the morning. You don't have to do it in the morning. You can do it at night. Don't do it in bed. Alright? Word of caution. If you do that, you'll fall asleep. I do it every time. <laughs> don't do it while you're in bed. You'll fall asleep. But read your Bible. Do some emotional reading and spend time in prayer every single day. And I guarantee you that is a key element to growing closer to the Lord. You spend time in His Word every day. 
How many Bibles do you have? How many different translations do you have, versions? I mean, there's a plethora of Bible versions. Now, most of us have many Bible versions. I've got tons of them on my phone. And so, we neglect this great blessing of being able to read the Bible every day. Some people in the world would give anything if they could have a Bible. There are people in this world, Christians, who don't have a copy of God's Word, and they would give everything they had if they could just have a copy of God's Word. And so, don't take that for granted. It's very special. It's a great blessing to have access to God's Word. So you need to have a daily quiet time. Same thing is to, to be faithful in your attendance to church. And you're here this morning, right? So you're here, and that's correct. Be faithful in your attendance to church. Make it a priority. All of us have things come up, you know, and other responsibilities. You're going to miss from time to time. I mean, we'll let you take a vacation, right? Uh, sometimes you're going to miss church. Something comes up, and you can't miss. Sometimes you're sick. Some people have to work on Sunday. You know, that can't be helped. But, you know, when you're missing too much, I do. Because how much is too much? Well, you know, I don't need to tell you that. You, you can figure that part out, right? Make it a priority, because when you miss church, it really has a big impact on the, on the, the congregation, doesn't it? It's really important. I, I've had these recurring dreams over my ministry in the last 40 years. And I'd get up and come to church on a Sunday morning and nobody would be there. I'd get up and preach and it's empty. Nobody's there. The rapture came and I got left behind. Thankfully, that's never happened. I want you to know what an encouragement it is to me to see you in church. And I, I notice when you're not here, I don't want to be a pest. First little church we were at, there was a little woman, and she meant well. But she'd take notice of everybody that wasn't in church, and she'd call them. She'd call them back and say, where was you at this morning? You weren't in church. You, know? you don't want to be like that. You don't want to be a pest. You, know, you don't want to hassle people. And uh, they may have had a very good reason. But it's important. It's really important. Think about uh, Sunday school. You know, a lot of folks say, well, you know, I go to church, but I don't go to Sunday school. Sunday school is really important. It's where you get into that deeper Bible study. And you can really learn and grow a lot by coming to Bible study. If you make an effort to do that. You know, 40 years ago when I began the ministry, and probably prior to that, more folks really were involved in church. You, know, you, had, you had Sunday school, you had Sunday morning worship, then we all came back in the afternoon and we had what they called years ago training union. Then they changed the name to church training. Then they changed the name to discipleship training. And now nobody does it anymore. And we all came back after that and had worship on Sunday night. Now I was one of those that resisted giving up Sunday night worship for a long time. I thought it would be a town. But a lot of Christians just wouldn't come. They were just too busy with things. They wouldn't make it a priority. So we tried to do other things and maybe have periodic emphasis and all that on Sunday nights, but it kind of broke my heart that we had to give up, you know, Sunday nights and everything, but the people just wouldn't come. And now Sunday school's kind of out the window. You know, staff, the new oh, non-denominational churches and stuff like that, most of them don't have Sunday school, really. They have a worship service for the adults and they have one for the children. And they get some Bible study a little bit, but it's not really Sunday school, you know, the way it used to be. And so that's kind of beginning to to fall by the wayside. Some churches have small groups in their homes, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I did a little research, and only about 20% of the congregation get involved in it. Not very many. 
It's just Bible study, right? Sunday school isn't for kids. It's, it's for everybody. And so it's important. It really is. So think about that. Think about it. Should you be involved? Say, well, I'm just so busy and everything. I've just never done that. But maybe you ought to think about that. Maybe, uh, maybe you can help to start another class. Wouldn't it be great by the end of the year if we had two or three adult classes instead of just one? Wouldn't that be great? There's no competition going on. We're not competing against each other at all. Man. We're just, we want to grow. We want to the body grow, right? And have youth Sunday school class. So thankful for the children's workers and all that, what you're doing with the kids. Really important. Really is it? So think about that. Uh, pray about it. It can really make a difference in your walk with the Lord. And again, it really makes a big impression on young people, like children. It really, really does. I guarantee you, if you're not doing some of these things, your children notice and your grandchildren notice. I guarantee you. And when they grow up, you're not doing them. Most likely, they're not doing them. It just seems to work. It really works. I'll never forget this. When I was about 11, 12 years old, I got saved when I was 11, so I, I don't, haven't been saved very long. But my mom was a real faithful Christian. She took my sister and me to church every Sunday, whether we wanted to go or not. We went to Sunday school, you know. And uh, anyway, my dad wouldn't go with us. He just didn't go to church. Now, he did the last few years of his life. He got really involved in the church the last few years of his life before he passed away. It's just, what, 33 years ago, I think? Uh, next month. Anyway, he just didn't go much. Once in a little moon. You know, he'd come to church. And uh, what he would do is he'd go down to the drugstore and have coffee. He always went down to the drugstore and have coffee. They had a fountain, you know, those old days. And he'd go down there and have coffee with his buddies. And coffee, he did that every night, too. All my neighbors called him the Rexall Ranger. Somebody asked you, what do you do in the church? What would you say? If I serve, 
community. I serve, I help clean the church. I help work the nursery. I teach a Bible study class. I serve as a deacon. There's all kinds of things, right? But is there something you could say if somebody asked you, what is your ministry in the church? What do you do? All of us ought to have something, right? Some people have two or three things because there's not enough folks to get all the work done sometimes, right? So what do you do? How do you serve in the church? Other than just coming, you know, which is important. But what is your ministry in the church? You need to be able to articulate that. And then the last thing, number four, you know this one's coming. Be faithful in your giving to the church. Support the church financially. And all he tells me that you're a good giving church. If you give really well and you want to support your church and love your church for the Lord and you want it to get stronger and stronger and stronger and it just takes resources to do that. Now, the Lord gives us the privilege of giving financially to help the church move forward. And so give sacrificially to the Lord's work. We can't all give the same amount, obviously. Some folks make a whole lot more than that. But you can all give sacrificially. Not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice, right? Sacrifice in your giving for the Lord. And I guarantee you'll be a great blessing. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is where Jesus talks about your treasure. He says, wherever your treasure is, there will your what? Your heart be also. Wherever you put your resources, wherever you put your money, wherever you put your wealth, however much it is or how little it is, there will your heart be also. That's powerful, isn't it? And so how much of your heart is in the things of God? How much do you give to the Lord's work? Some folks amaze me in the amount that they give, and some folks amaze me in the little that they give. Or nothing. Some folks give nothing. But it takes money, doesn't it? To pay the bills. And so we should all work together. Jesus saw a widow more than one time. Casting her money into the they have like a treasury uh, container where they would throw money as they would go into the temple. It's like a money box, offering box. And Jesus took note of his disciples, and a lot of folks were throwing in a whole lot of money. You know, he said, well, a large amount of money. And then this little widow woman went up there and she threw in one little widow's mite. They call it a widow's mite now. A little mite. It's kind of like a penny or something. Very small amount. And she tossed that in. And Jesus took note of that and he says, I want you to know something. He said, She gave more than all these other people. Because she got, she gave everything that she had to live on. Because she loves the Lord so much. And that's not that special. Thing. Really humbles me to think about Anyway, these are just four suggestions, but think about it. We got a new year, we got a new beginning as a church. You have a new opportunity in 2024 to walk with the Lord, to be close to the Lord, to be faithful to the Lord. It's really up to you, isn't it? We have that thing called free will. The Lord gives you free will to make up your own mind as to whether you're going to walk faithfully with Him or if you're going to get distracted by all these other things around you and not make serving Him a top priority. And so pray about that. And pray for me too. I want to do better. I want this to be a great, great year in my walk with the Lord. I really do. I want this coming year to be better than the last year for me. And I want that for you and I want it for our church. Amen? It's important, isn't it? So we got a new year, we got a new beginning, we got a new opportunity to serve.
Let's all stand and pray. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege of us being in your house this morning, <coughs> gathering to worship you, Lord, and fellowship together, hear a message from your word. Thank you for this passage, Lord, in Philippians chapter 3, about what it takes to have a new beginning as a believer in our walk with you, Lord. Lord, help us each day to strive toward that goal of winning that prize of being a faithful servant. Lord, we know you're worthy of all our efforts. Help us do the very best we can to be found faithful in your sight. And Lord, I pray when we come to this time next year, into 2024, that we're going to be amazed by what you've done in the church and what you've done in all of our lives because of our desire to serve you more faithfully. Lord, perhaps somebody needs to make a decision this morning of some kind, whatever it may be. Or maybe there's some that just need to come and pray in the front and go back to their seat. Maybe there's someone who needs to come and pray with me. Maybe there's someone here this morning who needs to receive Christ as personal Lord and Savior. Whatever that decision is, Lord, I pray that you give each person the courage to not even hesitate, but to step out and come forward and make that decision for you. It's in your name that we pray.
study through the book of Revelation. Everybody's always interested in that. So I thought I'd do like a seven-part introduction to that. And in the end time events, we'll be looking at many different passages. Look at Daniel and Zechariah and Matthew. And, you know, many passages uh, dealing with the end time events and prophecy. And that'll kind of be a, a background study as we begin to study the book of Revelation. So that'll take us all the way to the month of May. So if you come with you, we'd love to have you. We'll, we'll get started on that. Right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. And we'll be... Thank you guys so much for listening, and as always, get in the Word of God, let the Word of God get into you, and Maranatha, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, thank you guys so much for listening, and may God bless each and every one of you as we continue to keep looking for our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm waiting for that trumpet call, and I know you guys are too, that's right. It could be today. You could open your eyes and be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, don't wait another moment. Today is the day of salvation. Thank you guys so much for listening.